I invite you uh, to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Today is the last day of 2023, um, which is wild. Um, and uh, we move into New Year and all those things. Um, and we have we've wrapped up uh, talking about um, uh, the the incarnation of Jesus, the the um, the coming of Christ as a baby, and and all that Advent season is. And we're getting into um, now into the the beginnings of his earthly ministry. And so because we are we are diving into that. Um, we're going to slow down and we're going to really be thinking about and processing what's going on. Um, and so um, let's let's go ahead and, and read Matthew chapter 3. Um, we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 3 and verse, and verse 1. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's a short chapter. Um, and because I want to I give you the structure of this. Um, so one of the common things that exists in, um, in ancient texts in order to be able to memorize and learn the text is what we call today in Latin, they call it an inclusio, which is that um, the beginning of, a, of a, 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 a section of the scriptures, if you want the technical word, ter- term, it's a pericope, which is just a funny word to say, pericope. Um, uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, you will have similar things at the beginning and the end of a single unit of the text. So as we read chapter 3, um, we're actually only read to verse 16, but as we, as we read, actually we're going to read the whole chapter. As we read it, I want you to watch how the text opens and how it closes and how there are similarities. Now we're going to spend a few weeks in chapter 3, but I want to read the whole thing to get us started. In chapter 3 and verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's where we're going to be today. But for this um, is who he was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. But when they saw many of when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism he said to them You brood of vipers. He was very sensitive to their needs. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him. He said, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up 
from the water, behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, if you, if you look at chapter 3, if you look at this passage, you can actually see the way that chapter 3 is structured. Um, in, in verses 1 through 3, we get John announcing the coming of the kingdom, and we're going we're gonna to dwell there. Um, and then, in verses 4 through 6, um, you see the Jews coming to John seeking righteousness. And we're going to talk about the very interesting way that Matthew describes that uh, next week. Then John exposes unrighteousness. So they come to John looking to be baptized for righteousness. And when they come to him, he exposes their unrighteousness. And then in verses 13 through 17, the king arrives. So in verses 1 through 3, he announces the kingdom. And in verses 13 through 17, the king arrives. And so if we keep that structure in our mind as we're reading this passage, we will get to understand what John means by the things that he says and why he's saying them. So let's take a look just again in verses 1 through, uh, we're going to just look at verses 1 and 2 because I want to break down uh, what is being said here. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, right away, we have a problem with our English language. Um, There isn't really a a great word for what John is doing. Now, the the Greek word is often translated as preach. But John is not doing what I'm doing right now. That is not his job here. He's not coming up and saying, Oh, beloved, let us open to the book of Isaiah and read chapter 40 and, and discuss it. That's not what he's doing. The, the idea of what John is doing is that John comes from the wilderness, and that should be a clue as to what's going on, because Israel came out of the wilderness, and in the book of Exodus comes out of the wilderness, or they spend their time in the wilderness, and then the book of Joshua, they go from the wilderness, they cross the Jordan River, and they enter the promised land. So John comes out of the wilderness declaring something similar to an exodus. He comes preaching a message of salvation. But what he is doing when we read preaching, we would probably be better off using the word announcing or proclaiming or even heralding. Now, heralding is something we do all the time, right? I mean, you, you, we always get up in the morning and go, today, oh, heralding at 11. Um, but uh, heralding, heralding is the idea of going before someone and declaring they are coming. All right, you know the old. You watch the old movies when the the you know the king is coming and somebody comes out. Oh, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye! King so and so comes from hitherforth. All right, that's what John is doing. So John emerges from the wilderness. He comes from the place of suffering. He comes from the place of abandonment. And when he comes out of the wilderness, he is heralding something. And again, we get John's statement: repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And English really does, does not um, have the words for everything that John says in that statement. So I'm going to expand it a little bit. Um, the word repent um, is an interesting word. It has a lot of, of charged meaning to it. If you um, come from the Roman Catholic tradition, you know what penance is. Right? Penance is dealing with your sin. 
And it comes from a similar root to the English word repentance. So often we read the word repent and we say, ah, repentance is saying all of my sins. That's not what repentance is. That's not what John means here. Um, now the Greek word metanoite um, was, was something that you would say to uh, someone who was doing something wrong, defending a city against an overwhelming odds. They would, a general would walk up to the wall and he would say, repent, change what you're doing because you, otherwise you're going to die. There's destruction, there's danger coming. Repent. Interestingly enough, um, in the, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, this word most often is used to translate God changing his mind. Um, not punishing Nineveh, um, uh, being sorry that he had created man in the book of Genesis, those kind of things. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to break this down. I'm going to give you this, this word. Repent means look around and change. See your situation. How many of you have ever had, um, had somebody say to you, what are you doing? And you realized you were doing something on autopilot that was dangerous? You were gonna, you just weren't even thinking about it. You were, you were gonna do something that didn't make any sense. Touch a live wire, walk out into the street after a ball. You know, all the, do people even play with balls near the street anymore? Uh, like when I was a kid, you played kickball near the street, you know? Now the kids are like, hey, I don't have to worry about the street. Every, I just kick it, pressing A. Um, but, uh, you know, this, 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 we, we, somebody says, look at where you are. Look at your surroundings. You know, when you're learning to drive and the person that's teaching you, if it's your parent or your teacher or whatever, they say, look around. What's going on around you? And, and that's, what John, that's what John is saying when he says repent. He says, see your situation and change it. We live in, and I don't want to get, I don't get too much of this, but we live in a society where we have changed our method of dealing with people from see your situation and change it to see your situation and get everybody else to change around you. Get everyone, get everyone to appreciate your position on this. Um, you know, you, you, it, you're, and you're not tolerant. I, we, I had a conversation with somebody. I, I know I should stay off social media. I really do know I should. Uh, I had a friend who posted a thing about, uh, uh, AI being used, uh, uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence being used to, um, the, the, the image, all right, I can't call it a meme. It was like an advertising thing, um, was, to, trans, to translate brain waves into written language. And, I, and I, I, I saw this, and I said to my friend, I said, this sounds like a really good idea, but the linguist in me knows this isn't possible. Because we don't think in written language. We, we don't think sounding out words and things like that. That's not how we operate. We, we transform what we think, the, 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 the signed, into the sign. We turn it into written language. I said, I just don't know how effective this would work. And I had somebody arguing with me about it, and they were talking about, well, it's 40% effective. Can you imagine having a conversation with people where you could understand 40% of what they said? 
All right. I mean, I, for most of the time, I mean, if you go to the South, that's pretty much what you're dealing with from a New England perspective. But, um, but you know, can you imagine? And, and so I just said, I'm like, it's not that it's a bad idea or anything. I just don't see how it's actually going to get to efficiency because it's just such a complicated thing. You know, the next response to the person was, you hate disabled people. Like, what? Like, you don't want disabled, you don't want people who have lost the power of speech to be able to speak. I'm like, no, I didn't say that at all. I just said, I don't think this technology is going to work. You know, and then wisely, I unfollowed the conversation and just left it alone. You're never going to win an argument um, on social media. I'm just letting you know that. It doesn't work. There's never been a time in the history of social media that somebody read a comment that you wrote and went, oh, yeah, he's right. All right, they just don't do it. Uh, anyway, so but we live in a society where we, we immediately jump to the most extreme response to try to get people to accept our position, to accept our view. What John says when he says repent is look around, see the reality of your situation, and be ready to change. Because the next line, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is so interesting to me the way that we have always translated English as and you can look at every translation of the English the Bible into English and it always says is at hand you know that actually what it what he's saying he says he says um, first of all is at hand is a verb and the verb is arrives and it's in the perfect tense all right the perfect uh, aspect um, and and so it is it is literally the kingdom arrives. And not only the kingdom, but the, the Greek words that are translated kingdom of heaven in, in our Bibles, um, when he was saying it in Aramaic or Hebrew, um, the word in, in those languages, the word melech means king, um, and you just stick some different vowels in it, it becomes queen, it becomes kingdom, it becomes to rule, to reign. There, that's how Semitic languages work. It's how those languages work. Um, and um, what he is really saying is, the kingdom is arriving. The kingdom arrives. Not arrived, but arrives. And that kingdom only exists because, and this is interesting, this is kind of a logical thing if you really think about it, a kingdom only exists if there's a king. Everybody tracking with me on that? Never in the history of mankind has there been a kingdom that didn't have a king or a queen, right? A, a, which is the same word in English. Don't get me on nuts on how K became Q-U. Um, but uh, the, the, the king kingdom is defined by the king. So the kingdom of heaven, and again, in Greek, heaven is plural, heavens, because it's translating, Hebrew and Aramaic have this, number called dual, which represents two things, the two heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the two heavens, dual, shamayim, and the earth, the land, one land. All right. So it's the same idea. He says, the king who creates the kingdom around him, the king of the heavens, the abode of God, arrives. People have argued endlessly, what does he mean by this statement? But if you read the passage and you know this is the first part of the thing, and then the second part, first part, he declares the kingdom, he announces the kingdom, and at the end, Jesus arrives. He says, you better look at yourself. 
because the king arrives. And when he arrives, he is going to set right everything that is wrong. Now we say, what does that mean? Um, how many of you have ever tried to paint a room in the dark? You ever, you ever been painting a room and it started to get dark and you didn't want to turn the lights on and you figured you could finish? And then you got up in the morning and realized you had done a terrible job. It looked great in the dark. It looked fantastic when there was no light on it. All right? It looked great. Or, or even better, you ever built something and just eyeballed it and went, or hung a picture, and you're like, it's square, it's flat, it's fine, it's level. And then your wife walks in the room and goes, uh, and you go, oh boy, you know, I, I really botched that. I really made this up. When the king arrives, everything that is wrong becomes obviously wrong. When the king appears, it becomes very clear what is right and wrong in the universe. Because as we read, and we're going to get into the book of Matthew, as Jesus walks along and talks to the, the people who are listening to his messages, and he talks to them about the nature of his kingdom. He has a big long sermon about it. He tells a bunch of parables about it in the center of the book. As he tells them about the kingdom, it becomes very, very obvious that our standards of righteousness, our standards of behavior, our standards of what it looks like to be godly and good and human in light of Jesus fall down. They, they, um, they have real glaring errors. And so when John appears announcing the king, he appears and he says to them, Repent. Look around. See yourself as you really are. See your situation as it really is. It is difficult for us as human beings to truly see ourselves as we are. To truly reflect on our particular situation. We, we so often have this mentality that we can figure out a way to patch or to fix or to endure or to work through rather than really look at the problem. Really see it as it is. Really understand how we are in the eyes of the king. We don't like that. We, we, don't, we don't like to be told. We don't like to be um, have the light shone on us. Because when it shines on us... Um, our initial knee-jerk reaction is to justify, to explain, to demonstrate our own righteousness. Uh, yesterday we were going down to see our in-law, my in-laws, Nicole's parents. Um, for some reason, the parking lots of Dunkin' Donuts are an opportunity for people to cease to use their brains. We were at a Dunkin' Donuts in, in uh, Chelmsford, 
right off the circle there, the rotary there. I pulled in with my wife's car. Now, we watched a pickup truck go up over the curb into the parking lot as we were pulling in, so I should have already known things were going to go nuts. We were, we were pulling in, so I like to back into spaces, especially in busy parking lots, so that I can get out easily without hitting somebody as I back up, right, you know? Um, so I, I turn to back up into a spot, and I am not making this up, and my wife and daughter will both vouch for the accuracy of this statement. A person came from this direction, did not stop, just went into the parking space I was going through, drove through it, and then tried to drive over the curb. And I unleashed a, what the? And it was not a preachy word. Because I almost demolished this woman's little putt-putt civic because she was not paying attention. I mean, my wife's yelling at me. I'm like, I mean, this car, and Ariel's watching. She's in the back seat watching this car going, oh, surely she'll slow down. Surely she, no. This woman just shot, I mean, literally drove through the parking spaces behind me as I was backing up. And I unleashed, I unleashed my inner Massachusetts driver. And Nicole's like, you can't say that word. <laughs> and I'm like, I may not be able to say it again because I, I think I just had a coronary. I went into, went into Dunkin' Donuts where I ordered, <laughs> this is what a day, I ordered a hot black coffee and received a cold iced coffee with caramel swirl. And I said to the waitress, I went, or the girl at the, the, the camarera, uh, the, I, said, I said to her, I said, um, I said, this is not what I ordered. And she goes, it isn't? I said, I just want, how many of you have ever had this problem? A black coffee. I want a hot black coffee. So her manager comes up, grabs the coffee, she takes it, and she goes, and as she goes, I said, hot. She goes, I'm not kidding, manager. So you want it hot? <laughs> what a day. Anyway, I get into the car. I get back into the car. And I sit down. And I say to Ariel, I hand her her coffee roll. Nicole is still in the bathroom. And um, I hand her her coffee roll. I said, Ariel, I apologize. That was inappropriate. Now, I'm not saying this to say I'm the paragon of righteousness or anything. But it is so hard for us to see ourselves in a situation and say, I failed. What I'm thinking is not right. Now, every single one of us at this moment went, yeah, I mean, he was kind of justified in that statement. He was kind of justified in going, you know, what the? But I wasn't. I was wrong. And, and illuminated in part by my wife illuminating it for me, and the Holy Spirit giving me time of reflection as I waited for my actual hot coffee to arrive, I realized that the mistake I had made, the error that I had made, the, the weakness and the unrighteousness that I allowed into my mind in that moment, although she should have her driver's license taken away from her. See, that is, that's what's meant by repentance. Not repentance is not a list of my sins. 
It is just seeing the reality of your situation, acknowledging what is wrong about it, and then fixing it. Repent. The King of Heaven arrives. He is about to walk into the water. See who you are. Change who you are. Turn and look at Him. For unbelievers... For those who are not yet Christians, that is the moment where we say, we turn and we recognize Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we call on His name and we believe on Him despite the questions and despite the doubts. But for believers, for Christians, it is that perennial moment in our lives where we have to look at ourselves, we have to turn and see ourselves as what we are and see ourselves in comparison to Christ and then fix it, correct it, Change it. Align with Him. Turn. The King arrives. John calls people to live in a world where the King's presence is a reality. John calls people to live in a world where the King's presence is a reality. And let's all be honest. The longer you have, you're in the Christian thing, the easier it is to justify your behavior, the easier it is to come up with reasons why it's okay to be the way that maybe it's not perfect. Oh, it's idealistic, but I have to compromise in order to make this happen. It's so much easier for us to find a path that is, works for us. But to live in a world where the king's presence is a reality is live in a world where we must constantly be turning and looking at the king as he arrives. And the problem, we'll talk about it next week, the problem with Israel at this time, they were looking at their own arrival. So they entirely missed Jesus' arrival. Um, and that's going to be a theme that's going to be visited again and again in the book of Matthew. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, help us to turn toward Christ. To be realistic about our reality and to acknowledge the present reality of our King. Help us to find holiness in looking to Him rather than looking to our own righteousness. Help us to find salvation in looking to Him rather than our religious observances or our activities or our actions. Jesus, may You be glorified as our King in all we do and say. And Father, may Your love in Christ be manifest in us, through us, and by us. May we always be looking your son Jesus and living out what we see in him even at the price of our own achievements our own self-identification our own gratification to his name be all glory and honor